0: Thank you so much, Roy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Craig, and it's a joy to uh, serve you this morning and to be part of this wonderful community. Also, if it's your first time here as a guest, it's uh, wonderful that you chose to be with us this morning. The first part of the year is always a big deal for us as a church uh, because as leaders, we take time away to pray. We love as as elders and staff to seek the Lord, to Uh, be hearing from Him, uh, what it is that He is wanting to do in and through us. And we always want to be on His agenda as a church. And uh, a couple of weeks ago was our Vision Sunday, and we introduced this idea of Ignite. And the heart behind what we are wanting, what we are trusting for is, is this statement. We want an unmistakable, genuine, transforming power of Jesus Uh, in our lives. We want the living Jesus to do what only he can do. It's what we are trusting him for. Uh, It's what we are seeking him for. It's what we are posturing ourselves uh, before him because Jesus, when we see his life, he encounters people. And every time Jesus encountered someone, they were never the same. When they experienced his love, when they experienced his presence, their lives were forever changed. Now that is available for us. And that is what we want for every single one of you is to say, I have encountered the risen Jesus. I have encountered my Savior in a genuine, unmistakable, transforming, powerful way. We want Him to ignite something in us. Now, we're South Africans, so we have at some point in our lives experienced a bra. Yeah, it's what we do. And there's two components to a fire. There is the igniter. It's a match, it's a lighter. If you're inclined, it's a flint. You know, then there is the fuel, if it's wood or if it's coal or You know, dry grass, whatever. You need those two things. And when they combine, there is fire. And we know the wonderful things and the power that can come from when the igniter meets the fuel. And so the igniter in the encounters with Jesus, that's him. He is the spark. He's the igniter. It is his transforming power in our lives. And we are the fuel. As we posture ourselves, you build the fire to make it ready for the igniter for the spark, for the light. And as we have been uh, doing this series, that's what we are encouraging. Let's posture ourselves so that we can receive the transforming power of Jesus, so that we can understand and apply His promises to our lives. And so Steve introduced us to the first three promises and postures to help ignite this transforming power of Jesus in our lives. And we are going to be doing the same this morning. We are going to be looking at some promises and the resulting postures in our lives because, church, again, you're going to hear this a lot. This is what I want for me. This is what I want for you. This is as a leadership. This is what we want is for all of us to be experiencing His love and His presence in our lives in this powerful, transforming way. So, first passage of Scripture, that's I want us to have a look at this morning is Matthew chapter 7 and verses 7 to 8. It simply says this, come, right, so it says this, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened for you. For anyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, Husbands, maybe you can identify a little bit with this with me, because when you hear a verse like this, there's a lot of ways this can be misinterpreted. And uh, the first way this is misinterpreted is when I go, Inez, where is the cell phone charger? And she goes, did you look for it? And I go, no, because the Bible says, ask, and it will be given to you before it says seek, and you will find. And so I've always applied that To that uh, situation in my house, I think while there is a little bit of leverage and I can claim that that's biblical behavior, I think that's maybe kind of looking at it wrong. And the other way that we can look at this is with this like crazy wrong sense of entitlement. We see, ask and it will be given to you and we go to our cosmic genie and expect it to start raining Ferraris. Again, a wrong way when we see these words Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find. And no, this doesn't kind of speak to this warped sense of entitlement that we have, but this is speaking rather to the nature of the Father. So, what is the promise in this text? And I love this promise because it is just so simple at its at its heart. And the promise is this the father responds. Look at the verse again, for anyone who asks, receives, anyone who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened to him. This isn't about my entitlement, but rather how the father is. Now, I understand this a little bit because I'm a dad, and parents in the room, uh, or even if you've got young nieces and nephews, if, if you're not at that stage yet, how many times do you hear the word mom or dad in a day? A million, sort of feels like, right? Mom, mom, can, can can I get a snack? Mom, do you know where my shoes are? Dad, can you get that back? It just its a never-ending set of requests that come from our children. But now we're not perfect parents, right? And you get this. Sometimes we snap our responses back at them. We're a little bit worn out, we're a little bit tired, so we're not these perfect loving, yes, I'll help you find your shoes that you left by the front door. You know, yes, I'll help you pour water from the tap that you can reach. But what we see in ourselves is that when our children come to us with the millionth request, what do we do as parents? We somehow find it in us to engage with them and we respond. And this is what I love about this promise. Because my kids, as I said, always have need, usually at bedtime. It's usually they're thirsty. They want to get out of bed again. But when they say they're thirsty at bedtime, and this is a genuine thing, and I might have shared this before, they have asked for coffee at 9 o'clock at night because they're thirsty. And as a good dad, I give them what they asked for, Right? see, and that's amazing because we think for something to be good, it has to be a yes, right? But I still respond as a dad. No, you cannot have coffee. It's nine o'clock, but would you like some water? Okay, thank you, dad. And so as I respond as a father, and we know this heart with our children, that whenever they come to us and when people come to us, with their needs, when they ask us stuff, if they need help with things, we respond. And this is this beautiful promise from the Father is that He responds. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, the door will be opened for you. I just love this promise so much. And so what is our posture If this is his promise, how how do we come to him and engage with this promise? Well, if we know he's going to respond, if you know the answer is going to come from someone, we come with expectation. We can come to the father expectantly. And again, I'm using my kids a lot in this because it really helps me understand the father's heart because my kids know I, I have an office at home where I do a lot of my work from. And again, true story, middle of the work day, knock on the door. My son comes in with a cricket bat and ball. He's like, hey, dad, how about we go to the park and play some crickets? I love his expectation and how he comes to me. So I had to say to him, sorry, boy, no, we can't go to the park. And this is his heart, which is so amazing. It helps me think about the father like this because he has since again asked me to play cricket. Just because I responded with a no doesn't mean he throws away the cricket bats and ball and never approach me because there have been times where he's come to say, hey, can we go hang out at the park? And I go, yes, let's go do that. And we go and we engage together. Same with my daughter, hey dad, do you want to color in? Sometimes it's a no, sometimes it's a yes, but do they stop asking? Well, I think they're children, so I think that's impossible. But the expectation, even though there have been no's, even though there have been laters, they still, with expectation that it's going to be a yes every time, come and ask, and I just love this promise and this posture of the Father always responding. And so because He always responds, we get to come with joy and this expectation that I'm going to hear from Him. That He is going to respond to what's going on in my life, to my requests, to my prayers, to my situations. And again, it's not this crazy warped entitlement that it just means that God's got to snap His fingers and make everything okay. And again, this understanding that because something is only good if it's a yes, those are some kind of false assumptions that we maybe create in our mind. But here's the promise that we can hold on to as we trust God for more of His presence, His power and His love in our lives, is He will always respond. And so I, as a result, can always come with expectations and I can have the right expectations that he hears. And my father's gonna to respond to what is going on in my life. And so our first promise is God responds. The father responds. And so we get to have this, this posture of expecting. We can ask. We can seek him. We can trust that he is going to make opportunities open for him, for us. And so the, it's thinking about the opposite. If we don't come with the expectation, what does that say about what we believe about the Father? If we don't expect that he responds, that he hears, man, our faith becomes an echo chamber. It's a, we're going to get more response from a wall in, in how we think about the Father. But the joy is that we don't. The promise and, and what he has said to us is that he hears that, He responds. And so I can pray and engage my Father with this level of expectation that He hears, that He responds. And so now the second promise is going to build off of this because it helps us understand this first one a little bit more. So if you're taking notes or you want to find the scripture that I'm going to read from, flip a few pages to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Again, Jesus is speaking and he says this. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heaven, your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Again, this verse. If you then, though you are evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, the first verses that we read, the first uh, promise ask and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find knock, and the door will be opened to you. And we are trusting God for his love, his presence, his power in our lives. And now, straight up, have a look at this promise. What is the promise in this next set of scriptures? It's that the Father is going to give us his presence. He says, How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I love what Jesus is doing here. See, he's playing earthly fathers in comparison to our, our heavenly father. In, in some of the other gospels, this is recorded in a different way. He says, those of you, you know, earthly fathers who are evil, when your child asks for a fish, do you give them a snake? Or if they ask for bread, do you give them a stone? He's, he's comparing us as fathers and as parents against this perfect heavenly father. Now, parents in the room, let me ask you this. If resources were not an option, what would you do or give to your children? I would give them everything, right? Every resource they need to be the most successful uh, adults into the future, I would not hold back. How many of you would, if if it was in your power to give them everything, would hold back as as parents? I mean, it's bizarre to think we would do that, right? Right? Yet, in comparison to our Heavenly Father, we are evil. We lose our tempers, we get mad, we make mistakes, we fail. But if it was within our power, we'd give them everything. How much more? I love that. How much more will our Heavenly Father give His very empowering presence to those of us who ask? Because He's good, He's our perfect Father. And when we ask, we receive. And now he's saying, you want a gift from the Father? You want that prayer answered every time? Ask for his presence, his empowering presence in your life. You want 100% guaranteed God's going to answer your prayer. Seek him. Seek his empowering presence in your life. Come to him and ask him for his Holy Spirit. Because he's comparing us as fathers. And we'll not hold back if it's in our power to do everything we can for our kids. How much more will he give his presence to those who ask? What a promise. What a promise that he will not hold back his presence from our lives when we ask him for that. So what should our posture be? Well, let's come trusting. Let's come trusting. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts. Man, this is in ourselves. I know how many times I've failed, but I know what my heart is for my children just know what I want to do and how much I love them. And so I come trusting because how much more does my perfect heavenly father want to give me his empowering presence because I'm asking for it? How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Again, just these amazing promises and postures ask. He responds. What does he want to give us? What's the promise? He wants to give us his presence. And so, as I come expectantly and come trusting to this Father who wants to give his presence to me. And then we look at the third one. Again, just a few pages over in Luke 18. Again, just such a powerful kind of thing as we're going to wrap our heads around this. So, Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable uh, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Again, I love the comparison that Jesus is bringing out in the parables. First, earthly fathers with uh, the perfect heavenly father, and now this, uh, this judge. And I love the description of this judge, right? How honest assessment of this guy. Doesn't fear God, nor cares what people think about him. Right? That's his nature. That's his character. And then the, the perfect judge, again, this heavenly father, our wonderful savior. And there's this comparison. Now, whenever Jesus teaches a parable, it's about the nature of the kingdom. So someone in there is him and someone in there is us. And in this case, we're the widow in this parable, in this story, as he's teaching us how to pray and not give up. And so as he's unpacking this parable, what's the promise that we can hold on to? And the promise is God brings justice to those who cry out to him. And here's what Jesus is teaching in this parable, right? There's this court system. Every country has a legal entity, a vehicle where we can go to uh, have our rights defended. And if things are really bad, if there's enough grievance, you can go to the courts for a judge to decide, actually, you're right, you're wrong. And so you can plead your case. And here is the situation where this judge doesn't care. And here's a widow. She's got no one to fight for her. And so she goes to the only place that she uh, can turn to, and it's this bad judge. But even this bad judge eventually hears her out. And the mistake that we can make when we read this is my hope is the courts. Hey, you know, if I try really hard enough, even a bad judge is going to be won over if I just keep at it. But no, the promise is God is our justice. God hears our cry and he comes to us. God brings justice to those who cry out to him. Because he says, listen to what the judge says. No, but hear what, you're, uh, what God says in that he will bring justice to his chosen ones who are those who cry out day and night. What is the behavior of the widow? She's persistent. She keeps going and she keeps going and she keeps going. And this judge eventually gives up and he hears her plea. And so if the promise is God brings justice to those who cry out to him, our posture to receive that promise is to always come to him persistently. Don't give up. Hey, man, Craig, but that's hectic because, man, I feel like I've been in this for a long, long time. Which is why we need these promises. Which is why we need to hold on to the promises of God. There's such an interesting story in Genesis 32. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read it. Such a strange encounter. There are two characters, brothers, Jacob and Esau. They had a really bad falling out, and it's coming back to many years later where they're going to be try to reconcile, and Jacob is going to go back to Esau. And this is the account. It says the night Jacob got up and he took his two wives, his two female servants and servants, his eleven sons, and they crossed the ford at Jabok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions so that Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. I mean. Such a strange, fascinating story. Uh, What we know from the story is that this is most probably Jesus um, in uh, what we call call like a pre-incarnate Jesus. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. So the hip was wrenched as he wrestled the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, Philip Yancey writes about this, and he makes some interesting, kind of gives some thoughts around this. Jacob is wrestling with this, this man. They've wrestled all through the night, and he's not been able to overpower Jacob. So he brings out a sneak attack, right? He puts a finger, touches his hip, and the text says the hip is wrenched, right? Now, that's a painful move. If you've been in a fight with someone, you're wrestling with someone, you're now hurt. You've just seen the strength of your opponent. He's revealed a little bit more of his hand. He's touched your hip and it's wrenched it. So it's, he's done you a serious injury. What do you do in a fight like that? You give up. Where does the ne- if he can do that with one finger touch, what's the next one on your neck and you're paralyzed? Like this guy's got power that Jacob's wrestling with. Does he let go? He does not. He's realized who he's in a fight with. Where does our help come from? Comes from the Lord alone. And as Jacob realizes what's at stake and who he is with, the intensity in his life is upped even more because he now knows what's fully at stake because he's just had his hip wrenched with a touch that he doesn't throw in the towel. He does not give up. He holds on tight and he goes, I am not letting go until you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob. He answered, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob but Israel because you've struggled with God and with humans and you have overcome. Man, this encounter is so hectic because this shows the posture of, of persistence of coming persistently to God and not giving up. Well, Craig, how do, how do I think about persistence? How do, I, how do I know if I'm being persistent enough or if I have been persistent? Well, it's not an easy answer because Israel was slaves for 400 years before God delivered them and, and, and fulfilled his promise to them. Paul prayed three times, God, take the thorn in my flesh, and then God didn't. You see, we want an answer like that because we want a formula. We go, well, if I pray 15 times, then God answers. Then we can work it out, and then we can go, okay, well, if I just pray 15 times, or if it's 20 times, if there's a figure to what persistence looks like, then. All of a sudden we can make it about ourselves and not have this posture of my help comes from God and God alone. And it's why I'm persistent in this is because if I try to figure this out, I keep getting it wrong. But persistence is that justice comes from God. He responds to those who cry out to him day and night. Which is why there's no answer to what persistence looks like because it's going to be different for every single one of you. But the posture is the same. The posture is, does my heart trust him and him alone? When I think about my marriage, when I think about my children, when I think about my finances, when I think about my aging family, when I think about uh, my safety and security in this country, when I think about everything that is weighing on my heart and my shoulders right now, if I could try to figure it out in some formula, I'm not trusting my Saviour. I'm not trusting God who brings justice to those who cry out to him. When I, when I want his presence, if I could just somehow figure it out, then, then my posture's wrong. I'm not expecting from God. I'm not trusting him alone. I'm not putting this posture completely in where it's him that I'm persistently crying out to over and over and over again. Let's have a look at those three promises and those three postures. I think there is so much for us because I know that there is weight on your hearts and your shoulders. Every single one of us are going through some uh, deep waters, and it's probably just the depth that we're in that's varying for where we're at right now. But if we think about these promises, the first one is that God responds. And so I can come to him with what I'm going through. I can bring it to him. I can ask him. I can seek him. I can knock. I've got access into his presence. He hears me. He responds. So I can increase my expectation when I seek out the Lord. But then I can trust him. And more than anything, I can trust him to give me his empowering presence. And if you are going through a lot, what greater benefits to you than to be going through it with the empowering presence of the Lord in your life? That His strengthening, His encouragement, that you can have that. Right in the promises, He gives His presence. So I can have a posture of trusting this good father to give me all that I need. And then Jesus taught this parable so he could know how to pray and not give up. Because there's this judge who brings justice. God brings justice to those who cry out day and night. If God brings justice... And to those who are persistently trusting him and calling out to him, I then can have this posture of perseverance or persistence. So ask, trust, and be persistent. And repeat, ask, trust, and be persistent. Seek, trust, and persist. When things are still tough, ask the Father for His presence in your life. Seek Him. Trust that He's good and He gives it and persist in what you are going through. I don't like running. Uh, It's not a favorite pastime of mine, but I once uh, ran the Two Oceans Half Marathon down in Cape Town. And um, there is this really... demonic part of the race where you're more than two-thirds of the way in and you hit like a five kilometer uphill. It's called Southern Cross Drive. And um, I have been running the whole way up until this point and I have not stopped. And I start to hit this incline and things start to feel really hectic in my legs. And I start to slow down. And literally, as I'm about to stop, an arm grabs me, and it's this older gentleman. And he says, if you stop now, you're not making it up. And he says, don't stop. We've all got our names on our our numbers. And he says, Craig, don't stop. I'm gonna get you up the hill. And he ran with me the whole way up the hill. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. And once you make it to the top of Southern Cross Drive, if you've ever done... Uh, The marathon, that's then when all the supporters starts and it's flat then most of the way home. And then everyone is cheering you because you made it to the top. And as I got to the top, he said, you made it. You can finish from here. And he ran on and he said, well done. And I'm so aware that so many of us are carrying such heavy burdens in our souls, on our shoulders and you might be close to giving up. You are so scared to pray because, well, I've prayed and he hasn't come. I just don't know what to ask anymore because of all my circumstances. I just don't know what to do. But these promises are true. And Cheshire want to encourage you, God is powerfully at work in our midst. And I want to put these three things into practice this morning. It might be things are going great and then just ask for his presence. Ask for more of God in your life to just speak more, to empower you more for all that he's called you to do. Man, but maybe it's one of the many things I mentioned. Finances, your fear, family, your children, Work a whole lot of things. Man, ask him. Ask him to do what only he can do in those things. And then let's trust him that he's going to insert his love and presence in our lives and in your life and in your situation. And man, if you say, Craig, well, I've been praying for my husband for 20 years. I'm tired. There are people who will love to come and grab your arm and say, don't give up today. And to encourage you and to pray with you and to encourage you. So let's posture ourselves. You can do it by just opening your hands, just whatever you feel comfortable with to receive. And in your heart, just start praying, asking God for what you need. To pray, Jesus, I know that there are so many of us that are gathered here that have weights in our hearts and on our shoulders. Jesus, we just are feeling the pressure of what life is doing to us at the moment. Things are difficult, and so we need you. And so, Jesus, help us to increase the expectation in our lives as we surrender ourselves to you our Father and so we ask God we ask you to improve our marriages help us with our patience help us to be more gentle give us the wisdom that we need to love our spouses well to love our children well to parent them well Jesus help us in our finances help us in our job Jesus we need you Jesus we want to ask that you would just bring your presence into our lives so we don't have to feel so afraid about our futures Jesus increase our trust God you said that you would give your Holy Spirit to those who ask and so for everyone here Jesus that wants more of your love and your presence in your lives please answer that prayer We want more of you and we want to encounter you more because when we encounter your physical presence, it just brings unmistakable, genuine transformation. And for anyone that's feeling weary, just totally worn out, Jesus, I pray that you would help them and bring them the justice that they need. Thank you that we can persist in this. Thank you, Jesus.